everyone. Slightly different start to today's mm. show. So peek behind the curtain. We recorded yesterday. Uh, sorry, we recorded today's show, the one that you are currently listening to. Uh, it came out on Thursday. We recorded on Wednesday, partly because the IPA is launching a bunch of new podcasts in coming weeks. I'll get back to that later. Mm. Uh, so we had to record on Wednesday. There are so many references in the show to me hoping that Michael Bloomberg stays in the presidential race and last night he withdrew. I just want to know that you're okay, James. I um, don't mind about having to do this little bit. I, just... I am going through the motions of today. My heart is not in it. My heart lies in American Samoa with Michael Bloomberg's people. I think they should secede. They should secede. Michael Bloomberg should be king. Sorry, uh, but because it was fun and uh, because, uh, you know, like it, it's still hopefully a good show. I don't know. Uh uh, we're going to keep the rest of the show as it is. We just want to mention up top, we do know Bloomberg has dropped out. We're yep. not that stupid. We, we might be that stupid. We are that stupid. But yep. on this particular case, we are not that stupid. We do know Bloomberg has dropped out. Now, the podcasts, a lot of them, you know, one podcast I want to talk about in particular launching this weekend yep. is the Behavioural Awareness Officers. And Pete and I are very excited about this one because it's another podcast from us yep. and it is talking about footy. It's talking about footy. We absolutely love it. It's going to be mostly footy with a little bit of, I guess you might call footy politics. That's yeah. why it's called you know, Behavioural like, Awareness Officers. Yeah, like Behavioural Awareness Officers, uh, like, you know, well, crowd control, all mm. the rounds that are now a thing. So that's the kind of stuff we'll be talking about. It's going to be rad. As well as footy. few guests as well. Right. We're going to be talking to a few local footy legends mm. as well. Uh, yeah, so Behavioural Awareness Officers, by the time you hear this, it should be... Uh, Pete just pointed outside the studio and I was like, what am I looking at? <laughs> yeah, no, I was just going to say it's out Monday mornings, Sunday out, nights. Sunday nights, Monday mornings, whenever you want, good point. Uh, and so they'll be in every round. So yeah, Behavioural Awareness Officers out on Spotify, out on iTunes, or it should be in the next couple of days. We'll be talking about it a lot on Yipper in weeks to come. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, listen to that if you like footy and you like us. Yep. Would be my thing. And Anything else? Gloria, Gloria Alvarez. Alvarez. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Gloria Alvarez tour Please. in Australia. Uh, come on, coming in uh, this month, going to be in Perth, going to be in Melbourne, going to be in Brisbane, going to be in Sydney. Go to generationlibertyipa.org.au for tickets. You cannot miss this. It cannot. is going to be awesome. They're all free as well, but you do have to register because they will sell out. But you get yourself a ticket. Come down. Gloria Alvarez is the best. I demand you go. You have to do it. All right, sweet. Sorry. Rest of the show starts right now. Did you see the stylish? Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. We, it, it is episode 148. Don't know what just happened to me there. It is the 5th of March. We yeah. have a great show for you guys coming up. We're going to be talking once again to Renee Gorman, the National Manager of Generation Liberty. Yeah, twice in three weeks. Big, yes. Uh, and we'd only do this in big, big circumstances, which this week is. So Renee is going to be filling us in on why Generation Liberty has lodged a claim with the Queensland Human Rights Council, mm. which sounds technical legalese, but this is huge. Uh, we're going to be talking about what the process is for taking uh, QUT to the Human Rights Council, what that means for campus free speech, and some more stories of liberty-minded student groups being kicked off campus here in Melbourne. Uh, pretty crazy week for universities in general. I know O-Week's happening and everyone's sort of just putting in the effort of just going like, how do we stop kids not agreeing with so sorry how do we stop kids do anything else other than agree with socialism mm. and uh the uni so bought their a game this year i would say they've really tried hard but the ipa and generation liberty fighting back yeah tune in for that one it's a really good one we also got uh media watch the ipa was on media watch this week super tuesday results albanese flipped the bird to someone anything you're looking forward to Pete? well i'm looking forward to albanese flipping the bird but also mike bloomberg 
he's the gift that keeps on giving. And the reason I like him is because he makes you so happy. He does. If he drops out of the campaign, I might have to go home early. That whatever day that is, like that is a day take, of mourning. Take some me. time. I take might take some, some bereavement leave. Uh, if Michael nothing, Bloomberg drops out. Nothing brings joy more to James Bolt than Michael Bloomberg. He just antics. Sucks in so many different ways, <laughs> and it's fantastic. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's talk about Media Watch this week, Pete, and uh, tell us what happened. Okay, well, last week, Evan Mulholland told us here on the Young IPA podcast that the IPA had done a poll saying only 32% of Australians think the ABC represents the views of ordinary He's done Australians. It. He's we done did it. it. He's Thank done you very much. Now, this was picked up by Media Watch, uh, the show that aims to hold the rest of the media to account, uh, because only the ABC can provide us with unbiased analysis. Anyway, Media Watch uh, interviewed a polling expert. Oh, sorry. Roll the tape, please, Saul. And now to Poll of the Week, which is really bad news for me and our viewers because it proves that we need to be privatised. Now, there you go. Now, Media Watch went on to interview polling expert Professor Emeritus Murray Goot, who said our question was biased, James, and said that's what got the results. Now, mate, Murray, one-third of Australians didn't think the ABC represented their views. What magical, manipulative question do you think Evan Mulholland came up with that made two-thirds of Australians... Not get that. Uh, is the ABC evil? Yeah, exactly. That's a leading question. Yeah, no, no, exactly right. And so, because if you're... Is ABC Media Watch hosted by the smuggest person in Australia? Another leading question. We like Not to... saying we should ask it. I'm just saying that would be an example... Hypothetically, of a leading question. We like to play the issue here at the IPA, James, not the not the man. Anyway, so they need to get 100% for the ABC because they're uh, privatised. Anyway, sorry, because they're a public thing. So Evan Mulholland released a video the next day. He got to work straight away uh, and that you can see on our YouTube and our Facebook and all and stuff like that, rebutting the claims of Media Watch. Saul, roll the tape, please, mate. But Paul Barry seems to have a very new problem with supposedly not neutral polls. Just weeks ago, Barry gleefully promoted this poll. There's no doubt that climate change activists across the world think the fires should be a tipping point, and many Australians agree. So there you have it. That's a poll from the Australian Institute, which is clearly not to his standards of neutrality. There's a few more from that th image, which you wouldn't have seen if you were listening. Uh, it says, this is a wake-up uh, of questions the Australian Institute asked people. This is a wake-up call for the world on the impacts of climate change. Leading question. Climate change is making bushfires worse. Leading question. The current bushfires demonstrate the cost of climate inaction. And I had another one here. Mining and burning coal makes bushfires worse. Neutral? I don't think so. Uh, we're going to sink into the depths of hell unless we make Gruta Thunberg our all-powerful overlord. That was an interesting question I that made they that definitely added. I might have made that one up, but there you go. So, you know, any old poll in, they're going to be happy to talk about any old poll, but once it attacks the gravy chain on which they all rely, all of a sudden, you know, it's got to be scientific and, you know, neutral and things like that. Yeah, that's uh, so that's right. And you can check that video out on the IPA's YouTube page. It's also on our website and Facebook page. The other part of this for me is Paul Barry then goes on to say, the uh, so the quote from the end of the show, the IPA might like to know that Media Watch won its time slot last week with record ratings. As far as we know, most of our 1.1 million viewers were ordinary Australians. Mm. It's always weird to me when the ABC play the ratings game because yeah. either way, it's just an argument for privatisation. You yeah. can either say like, hey, look at us, 1.1 million viewers. These are record ratings to which I would say, awesome, you can exist on a free market. Yeah. People tune in. This is awesome. Like yeah. You don't need my money anymore. And then if you go the other way of like, oh, we need the ABC because otherwise these shows wouldn't come to air because no one watches them, yep. then why do I have to pay for them if no one watches them? Like, exactly. Who's being helped there? Exactly right. That's exactly right, James. And Evan also goes on to say in the video, he says they introduces the IPA as a libertarian free market think tank. Uh, but when they were talking about the Australian Institute poll, they said that the poll was from the Australian Institute without any sort of commentary on what kind of position they took up on the political spectrum. So set it around, Paul. There's no need to have a tanty. A third of people voted for the Greens and Labor in the election. So, of course, a third of people think the ABC is great. 
I could have done this. You know, Evan didn't even need to spend the money on the poll. I could have told him what the results going to be. Evan, <laughs> think about that next time. That's how we save some money. We just ask Pete. Exactly right. We, we go Pete. to Pete's desk and we just say, Pete, what's your view? I'm neutral. The man of Australia. You speak for all Australians, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, all of them. Every yes. single one of them. Every last one. All right. So uh, check out the video. Yeah, check out the video. We'll move on. Super Tuesday. Yeah. Over in America, the Democratic race is narrowing. I mean, we've got a lot to catch up on here from last week. It's, uh, you know, last week seems like a mile away. Like last week, Joe Biden was dead in the water yeah. and now Joe Mensum is back. I'm, I, I hated the word when I heard it, but now every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, Joe Mensum. It works. Well, I thought you invented that because you've been saying that a bit. I, I, I've been saying blue Mensum and I'll get to why. Uh, so Joe Mensum, it's real. Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, they're out of the race. Uh, They've been told to bend the knee by the Democratic establishment. Um, I just like it because there's a long way to go. I think Joe Biden's going to get it. I don't think anyone's going to get enough for it to be like a clear majority. It's going to be a contested convention, but someone's going to get it and it's not going to be Peter Amy. Mm. And what I like is that the Democratic Party, they get plastered in 2016. Uh, well, not plastered, but like a, a, word <laughs> s- synonymous, yeah, a word synonymous to what I'm trying to say, which is they lost badly in 2016. Uh, you know, they spent four years going like, all right, the winds have changed. We need to renew the party. We need to bring in a new fresh face. We are the party of the young we are a party of the diverse. We are a party of these things. And then we get to Super Tuesday and it's like, please select one of the following old white people. Yeah, yeah. Rich, Biden, Rich Bloomberg, or Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. The youngest is 70 of those three. Yeah, no, exactly. Grim. Yeah, exactly right. And as, so as you mentioned, uh, I don't know, you didn't, didn't mention Elizabeth Warren lost her own seat or lost her own state. Yeah, which is embarrassing. Which is embarrassing. And yeah. Donald Trump, who apparently likes to get on Twitter, said Elizabeth Warren, other than Minnie Mike, was the loser of the night. She didn't even come close to winning her home seat in Massachusetts. Well, now she can sit back with her husband and have a nice cold beer. Yeah, if you don't know what that is referring to, I don't know what you need to search to find it. Well, but you need to see the video that they made. This is like early, early days yeah. of the Warren campaign. This is... A video. I, I think if you just typed in like Elizabeth Warren in her kitchen with her husband, yeah, but come up. yeah, it just like it's the worst video I've ever seen. Mm. And I'm so glad that a year and a half later, we're still getting shout outs. But uh, it's just like I'm about to have a nice cold beer with my husband, who then walks in and Elizabeth Warren proceeds to slap him on the butt no less than Ooh. three times. <laughs> three times. <laughs> yeah, that is a bit excessive. over the course of the entire video. It is something to behold. Sorry, go watch that. Yeah. So I think we talked about it on the show, so I'm sure everyone's seen it. Yes, uh, but we have a new, lot of new listeners. That's the ratings true. have been going uh, a fair bit up recently. All right, uh, other thing I want to talk about. Yeah, Blue Mentum. All right, it's back. Yeah. Michael Bloomberg, we laugh at him. You can say a lot of things about Michael Bloomberg. You can say he's not popular. You can say he's a robot. You can say he has absolutely no friends, but you cannot say he's not popular in American Samoa because he did win American Samoa. So score that one up for Bloomberg. That's exactly right. I didn't realize that that was part of America. Until, American Samoa until, until recently yeah it, it's a it's hidden in the name slightly American Samoa well I thought it was part of Samoa didn't I <laughs> so there you go but he's big there alright he's he huge alright don't don't walk into American Samoa sledging the good name of Bloomberg because yeah. people will fight back what hang on how did he win that I don't know I think it's just there's like 12 people there well I, I heard Democrats. like uh, I was watching the CNN panel on it today and I heard that there were seven people employed in American Samoa working on Bloomberg's campaign, which is far more than anyone else, mm. which just shows what we've known from the start, which is Bloomberg just wrote a big fat campaign donation check and all of his people are going to go, how do we spend this money? Yeah. And suddenly seven people get hired in American Samoa. And it largely hasn't worked, but it definitely worked there. Works in American Samoa. All right, uh, let's move on to the foreign influency transparency scheme. There is an update. Well, I'm going to mark this down as a policy win for the Young IPA podcast and the IPA more broadly. And then also 
question whether it is a policy win. I was going to say, I don't know if this is a policy win. We'll get to that at the end. Uh, I kind of want to have it both ways. Anyway, we, we broke this story on the Young IPA podcast, the Foreign Influence Transparency Scheme, where the government was harassing conservatives Tony Abbott and Liberty Works organiser and LDP president, LDP president Andrew Cooper at the behest of Shadow Attorney General Mark Dreyfus. Of course, the scheme was introduced to tackle nefarious foreign influence in Australia, but instead it was used as a political tool to go after conservatives. Now, Attorney General Christian Porter this week has replaced the entire FITS, that's the, that's the acronym, leadership team called in corporate, corporate regulators ASIC and the ACCC to assist and hired a former assistant ombudsman, uh, Autumn O'Keefe, to head up the organisation. So he's done other stuff there as well. What he hasn't done, James, is rewrite the legislation. Which is why I don't think it's a policy win. Because you can just like replace the team that mm. investigated Tony Abbott for being a foreign agent. Yeah. But like, as long as the law's there, there's going to be other teams. This isn't the team for the rest of time. That's exactly right. And we would be just as upset with this if they were using it to go after Labor people. Oh, for sure. But it's just like, you know, I get the idea of like, hey, we don't want foreign uh, governments interfering with Australian elections, but this is not the law to do it in if it also goes like, yeah, but what about Tony Abbott? Let's also get him. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from, but I, st- I think there's a part of changing Australia, let's like, say, that is just firing the whole bureaucracy. Yeah. like, <laughs> But it's replaced with another bureaucracy. Yeah, I know, but part of getting it across the line is getting your good pe- people that like you in. Yes. So that's why I'm saying it's But partial. then when the Liberals lose an election... Then Labor and then just gets them in, and then, yeah. then Labor gets their people in, yeah. and they might be good, but also they might be bad. And this was happening <laughs> yeah. under a Liberal government as well, so yeah. we can't even trust uh, like that. It's Liberal it's, legislation. It's like I don't know. Until the law changes, this isn't a win, but it's good to know that some progress is being made, even if it is very slight. Yep, very slight. So, partial victory to us. I'm, a, I'm notoriously negative with these things, <laughs> but Andrew, I, I see where you're coming from. If Andrew Cooper hadn't said, this on that, said that on this program and then reported widely in The Australian, uh, this wouldn't have happened. Yes. IPA breaking news. Uh, okay. Young IPA podcast breaking news. Let's go to the heroes and oh. villains segment. Sorry, we'll start off with Grunt the Pig. Grunt the Pig. <laughs> yep. There he goes. With our fear or favour, Saul Muscatel, we'll play that big. All right, that is a snort of freedom. That is a snort we give out to people that have stood up for freedom and liberty around the world somewhere this week. Pete, who is your hero of the week? Well, we're not we're nonpartisan here at the IPA, James. We're going to give heroes where and wherever they're deserved. Yep. Anthony Albanese, leader of the opposition, was the, was at the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras in Sydney over the weekend. He copped a bit of abuse from the section of the crowd. They were Socialist Alliance protesters. They were chanting, one, two, three, F the ALP. But, James, they weren't saying F, they were saying the full swear word that you know what I'm talking about. Fridge. <laughs> um, except, yeah, no, I so just said that bit. Uh, to, to which Anthony Albanese was filmed turning and flipping the bird at them. So, for those watching, you can see it on the screen now. It's a very grainy image, but that's just the... That name. is unmistakably the bird. That is... There's no... There's, grainy as it may be, yeah, that's a bird. That is uh, a bird. the bird. Apparently, they asked the opposition leader's office if he was doing two fingers or one finger. I think the image shows it was one finger, but... The correct way. I'm glad that they went up to clarify. Who says journalism's dead? And I just think there should be more bird flipping in Australian politics. I'm giving Albanese Hero of the Week. Yeah, it's the kind of stuff that definitely, like, you know, the Labor loses their traditional heartland last election... Mm. This is the kind of stuff that wins them back. It's probably in their it's review. Human, yeah. <laughs> Alvin, yeah, it's like his KPI. This year you're flipping yeah. the bird three times. More right? birds. Knocked off one. We need two more by the end of the year. Two more, that's hard. No, so yeah, no, uh, good on you, Anthony. All right, sweet. My hero this week. Okay, so Gloria Alvarez, the tour is happening. Uh, probably should have mentioned that at the start of the show, but we didn't, but we're going to mention it now. So Gloria Alvarez is my hero this week. 
I cannot stress enough how much you need to go to this tour. So the Generation Liberty is hosting a, I'm going to read out the dates, uh, University of Western Australia on the 11th of March, University of Notre Dame on the 12th of March, over to Victoria at the University of Melbourne 17th of March, Queensland, University of Queensland 18th of March, then down in New South Wales, the University of Sydney on the 19th of March and Campion College on the 20th of March. Gloria Alvarez is such an awesome speaker. I was watching speeches of her. I've been watching speeches of her all week. Uh, here's a little clip, which I liked, which you might uh, like. It's her talking about uh, how the free market's going to help the world's poor. So if the Europeans want to save Africa, cut the crap. At least <laughs> stop the aid and let us work. And if they don't want us here, at least let the free market happen because the European Union does this not only with Africa, but also with Latin America. It's impossible, right, for us to work. I mean, that's exactly the kind of message we need being brought out there. And Gloria Alvarez is, is like this young Hurricane Gloria, I guess mm. is what the name is, but she's uh, this force coming out of South, South America, coming into Australia. Get yourself some tickets now. It's going to be unmissable. That's exactly right. I should point out the tickets are free, but you will have to register because you'll sell out. So okay. register for a ticket. GenerationLibertyIPA.org.au. Mm-hmm. Get there, get your tickets, or I'm going to be mad at you. <laughs> I and will. We'll be talking to Gloria on the Young RPA podcast. We will well. indeed. All right, sweet. So, well, now I'm still refused to endorse what oh, we do yeah. for villains. So, Pete, over to you. Well, the Extinction Rebellion had a fake nudie run back in October, and I think that's just a disgrace. Saul, run the tape, please, mate. As Don't. Extinction Rebellion protests enter their sixth day. Now, that, for those listening, is a group of people not quite in the nude saying they're doing a nudie run. So, they're uh, the award we give for standing against freedom. Every week. Uh, James, you go first, mate. All right, so my villain of the week. Now, from a classical liberal or libertarian perspective, the government only needs to provide services when there is a market failure, when there's no capitalism, capitalist way that you can encourage a business to start up. Tell me more. You get what I'm saying? I give you, you get what you're on. saying. Sorry, like defence would be yeah. a thing that the government can do because there's not really a good capitalist reason for there to be defence. Yeah. Roads, I know I've lost a lot of libertarian listeners. I'm sorry. Roads, another one. NBN? NBN. No, I reckon I reckon the private market can work with the internet. But I'll tell you the one thing the private market can do, as you write that down, is provide people with coffee. Taxpayers were charged $390,000 to upgrade a coffee cart in the press gallery of the federal parliament because it is run by the department. Really? Yes. $390,000 of taxpayer money to get people coffee. So that's just not some contractor who's got a lease in Parliament House. Who- so in federal Parliament, there are four coffee places. One privately run cafe called Aussies. Therefore, I'm only ever going to go to Aussies. I encourage everyone else in Canberra to go to Aussies. Yeah. And three are run by the department. The Queen's Terrace Cafe, the Staff Cafeteria, and the Press Gallery Coffee Cart. Now, the Press Gallery Coffee Cart is the one that just got $390,000 of taxpayer money to provide coffees better. I did not realise that such socialism was at the heart of the government. Really? This country, <laughs> like I did, but I thought it was more metaphorical than that. Yes. Well, that's just like, what are we doing? Yeah. What no, are we doing? Just 390,000. You're telling me there's not a single place in the world that looks at political staffers and goes, I reckon they drink coffee. Yeah. I reckon I can sell it to them. 15 coffees a day for those people. So that's an outrage, James. Right, sweet. That is my villain of the week. That, that is disgusting. Well, that's a good one, mate. My villain of the week are a group of three left-wing protesters who mo- momentarily stored the coke 
Oh, start again. Momentarily stalled the coalition float at the Mardi Gras. I've been talking about the Mardi Gras a bit. They were protesting 250 years of colonisation because that feels like the right thing to do at the Mardi Gras Mm -hmm. is to take the focus off the gay community and talk about something else. So well done, guys. Uh, ABC activist, sorry, journalist uh, Lydia Feng posted a video uh, that she said uh, showed people booing the Liberal Party float as it made its way along, Uh, except the video she posted didn't actually seem to have any booing. I did not hear a lot of booing. So, so I'm not the only one that didn't hear booing? No, no. A few people in the comments were like, but where's the booing? Yeah. So for trying to claim that's a thing, uh, that's part of my villain of the week. But the main thing about my villain of the week is this idea that the coalition are somehow the enemy of uh, gay people. Let me run you through a few facts, James. The coalition legalised gay marriage in this country. That is a fact. The ALP were in power for six long years between 2007 and 213. 2013. Did they legalise gay marriage? No, they didn't. Uh, a correct uh, question, without notice, yeah, if I will. On. Did Penny Wong once describe marriage as between a man and a woman? She did. Paul Keating, line of the left, said two blokes and a cocker spaniel don't make a family. That never seems to get included in those lists of Paul Keating quotes. <laughs> yeah, that that's not like around. do you slowly, which I maintain is the most overrated quote in Australian yeah. political history. I want to do you slowly. Yeah, yeah well not done. Bad. That's 20 years of retweets. Yeah. <laughs> Just... Well, they never include the one about the Cocker Spaniel. That's, I, I've never heard that one before. That is atrocious. I've got so bad. I've got a lot more. Julia Gillard, Kevin Rudd, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton. What do they all have in common? They all oppose gay marriage at various points in their career. Now, if you want to really trigger your lefty mates, tell them this fact, James. The first president to enter office in the United States in support of, in favour of gay marriage. William Taft. Not quite. Good guess, but not quite. President Donald Trump, the first president to enter office supporting gay marriage. The gay marriage plebiscite, only five coalition seats voted no, 11 ALP seats voted no. Anyone who's hung around politics for a while will know there are more gay Tories than you can poke a stick at. That's because our side of politics... I don't uh, know why you would feel the need to, but... <laughs> so our side of politics focuses on individuality, individual expression, freedom of expression, the idea that we can all pursue our own destiny. Of course, that's more... Uh, what's the word? What is the word? More attractive I, to, to the gay community compared to the other side of politics who are, you know, one size fits all. We've all got to do this, think the same. We've all got to look the same. So this idea that the coalition is somehow uh, the enemy of the gay community is a disgrace. My and, other point is if you are bringing a political bugbear to Mardi Gras, mm. then I do not like you yeah, as yeah. a person. Like I, I just like that is a celebration. It is just people having a good time. Yeah. And suddenly everything's, well, all right, everyone stop the float. Stop everything that's going on. Here's my brave stand. Uh, we got an anti-colonialist uh, taking the floor. So everyone just stop. Stop dancing. Stop it. Let's just hear what this person has to say. Yeah. Like, I just hate, I hate those people. Yeah. So, well, they're my villain this week. Very good. All right. Let us go to our interview with Renee Gorman. Okay. We now welcome back onto the show, Renee Gorman, National Manager of Generation Liberty. It's been a long two weeks mm. since you've been on the show. We've missed you terribly. So, welcome back. I've missed you too. All right. Very cool. She just Very keeps cool. having big weeks. She that's does. So, well, that's why we wanted to bring you on because... This is, I would say, unprecedented in IPA history. I don't know if we've ever done anything like this before, but the IPA, or sorry, Generation Liberty has lodged a claim with the Queensland Human Rights Council. Now, why? Um, So you may have heard that uh, Generation Liberty has had some problems with the QUT Guild. Um, We requested to have a stall at Market Day. The market day is for external groups. We never claimed to be a student group. We were an external group that wanted to reach out to students. After we put in our application, we received an email that we were not able to have a stall because our brand didn't align with their values. We asked 
further questions and we got further confirmation that the reason why we weren't allowed to stall at market day was because our brand does not align with their values. And under Queensland discrimination discrimination laws, you're not allowed to discriminate on someone on the basis of political belief. So we think that that falls underneath that category and we believe that we need to fight obvious examples like this case um, because Generation Liberty may have the power to push through stuff like this, but we need to do it for every single student who gets discriminated against because they're not left wing. We need to do it for every kid out there that struggles with this every day. This is bigger than a stall. It's about you know, our fight against the censorship of ideas that happens on campus every single day. Now, what is the process for lodging a claim with the Human Rights Council? Because it's like, as far as I understood it, it used to be you just waited idly by in your home until Tim Sudamasan saw something on Twitter he didn't like and then you were told to complain. So, But now that he's gone, mm. I don't know what the <laughs> process is. Well, um, Morgan, our wonderful uh, legal expertise in the office, has you know been going through the claim and filling out that form and then we've sent it in. And f- from what I know, we have 28 days to wait before the Human Rights Commission has to get back to us. Um, But we have, you know, done the honourable thing, I believe, by letting the QUT Guild know straight away that we've made this claim, unlike, uh, you know, um, certain cases in the past where people have been left in the dark that there's been a complaint made about them. Yeah, for like two years or whatever that was. Yeah, (laughs) like for people that don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to, uh, well, it was just like the 18C QUT Mm. cases where kids were left in the dark for two years and whether or not they were... (laughs) <laughs> like it's something to answer for. That's yeah. right. Now, how things got to this point, Renee, for the IPA to go to one of these bodies that are located around Australia, things must be pretty grim. How things got to this point? Yeah, well, so, you know, we've gone back and forth on these because, you know, the IPA generally doesn't believe that these laws are a good thing. But our thought was, you know, if the federal government's not going to step in, if no one's going to step in and stop what's happening on campus, stop the censorship of ideas, then this was our last resort and we had to do it. And, you know, the left actually believes these laws should exist. And, you know, probably the Guild believes these laws should exist. Then they should abide by these laws. And this is an obvious example of political discrimination. I'm glad you raised that about the the fact that the IPA thinks maybe a lot of these bodies shouldn't exist and things like that. Was that an internal discussion that you had with, you know, Morgan and other people or uh, something that you talked about a lot? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, oh, you guys don't think this should exist. What, what was the discussion around that? Yeah, I had a lot of talks with Morgan about it and also um, Chris Decker himself because he is a very a strong libertarian and, mm. and is about reducing the size of government as much as possible. Um, I just think it is a case where we have to... If there was no other option available to us, we couldn't just let this happen again and again and again. We need to be fighting because there are other kids that don't have the opportunity to do this, like single individuals who get discriminated against who stay quiet and we need to say, we'll fight for you. And also, I guess the university isn't really like a private body that is, you know, can discriminate. It's a publicly funded body. Yeah, that's a really important point is that especially the Guild, the QUT Student Guild is funded by compulsory fees called mm. SAF, which every student has to pay $308 roughly to every student every, every year. So if they are going to be funded by compulsory fees but from the students and then also billions of dollars from taxpayers, then they need to be an, uh, you know, a, f- a forum of open discussion and open learning. And also their decisions have to be transparent. They can't just say your, your, 
your brand does not align with our values. They still haven't told us yeah. what those values are and how we don't align. Yeah, you need to sure. make your your decision-making transparent for the student body to know what you're doing. Now, one thing I've been really noticing is like this has gone very public in the media. Like a lot of people in the media are talking about it. It was on page five yeah. of The Australian today. It was commented on on Paul Murray Live and Hardgrave last night. I can't remember the exact words of the Hardgrave quote, but he did have something very nice to say about Renee. So, you know, you can name drop now. You're not bringing it up. It's me bringing it up. <laughs> I just can't remember the names. But yeah. what did Gary Hardgrave say? I think... Um, that the, the reason the QUT Guild wasn't allowing Generation Liberty on campus was because they were scared of an intelligent, strong woman like Renee Gorman. There oh, go. there we go. She's there actually made of the co-sign, so co-sign on that one. Uh, but <laughs> uh, let's talk about... So what does the media coverage of this tell you? Like the fact that this is... Like when it happened, it was, on the, it was in the Australian, it was in the Australian again. Like people seem to really care about free speech on campus. Yeah, Definitely. I think... Um, Everyone cares about this because they see universities as, you know, they're the training grounds for our future politicians in a lot of ways. A lot of the people who run student guilds eventually go on to work in politics. So I think they believe that there should be, these should be, you know, squares of open learning. They should be exposed to all ideas. And I think they're getting really sick of so many cases of obvious discrimination against kids who aren't left-wing, conservative or libertarian or classical liberal and nothing gets done. The government doesn't do anything. The, stu- the administrations don't do anything. And I think in this case, they're really happy to see someone willing to take the fight to them. And I reckon a lot of universities are a huge battleground, you know, and older people and middle-aged people recognise that um, because, you know, it's hard to convince someone who's 40 or 50 to change their views about the environment or whatever. But at secondary school and at universities, that's when people are forming their opinions about these things. So I reckon heaps of people see these kind of battles as really important. And yeah, and the whole thing is Generation Liberty and, you know, um, the IPA, we don't want, you know, the left to be off campus or get... We're fine with the socialist clubs having their millions of events and covering the university and posters, but it's when they're trying to stop other ideas on campus that that's what you've, got a, you've got a problem. Now, when we talk about, like, so there's O-Weeks and there's market days that are happening all across the country and people are signing up to Generation Liberty. Well, one thing I've noticed in, like, when we talk about the results of the membership campaign is, like, in Queensland, we're doing very well. And it does seem to be that students in Queensland are sick of it themselves. They're just like, you know what, if this thing is getting booted off campus and I don't want these things booted off campus, I'm going to support yeah, we've had an absolutely overwhelming result in Queensland. So uh, Mitchell, our campus coordinator at the University of Queensland, actually called me on the day of his O-week when he had his stall to say, um, Renee, we're doing really well, but I think I might run out of stuff. Mm. <laughs> There's only so much stuff I can give out. Um, so we had over 60 people sign up in a day. Uh, so Queensland seems to be really behind this and Queensland young people seem to be behind this. That number keeps going up. And I think it's because... They really get it. They understand that this QUT guild issue is about more than a stall. It's about the continuous discrimination that uh, certain students face at universities. So those tote bags are really popular. Yeah, the Eleanor tote bags were very popular. Can I ask, where's Eleanor today? Is she cut sick up in Queensland or something? Where is she? Oh, no, she's, yeah, she's gone up she's Queensland. Busy. You know, she's got to go, you know, fight the QUT guild. Yeah. You know, she's making her way up there now. For new listeners, Eleanor being the mascot of Generation Liberty, the don't tread on Eleanor the Echidna. Echidna? Yeah. Eleanor the Echidna, yeah. All right, so back home in Victoria, uh, another student group has been kicked off campus as well, the Victorian Liberal Students Association. 
Yep. I've got that right. Victorian Liberal Student Association. Don't know what else it would have been. But uh, surprise, surprise, there's a group on our side of politics and they get kicked off campus. Uh, so what happened on this one? So interestingly, I was actually there on the day and I did a little experiment and walked around to all the socialist groups that had set up tables. So there was, you know, set up areas for affiliated clubs where they should be. But then there was just random, you know, 50 year old socialists who had set up tables all over the university. They're called mature age students and they're, <laughs> they are the lifeblood of a university. Um, they haven't finished their PhD yet. So that I went serious. up I went up to them and I the pretended I pretended I was interested and I'm just like, hey, um, my my club would like to set up a table sometime. Did you have to, you know, yeah. pay to be here or get permission or oh. f- fill out any forms? They're like, no, we just set up. It's you fine. And, then I, I, and I went and talked to another guy and I said, oh, so you just set up a table. He's like, yeah, you should do it too, man. Fight the neoliberal university. <laughs> if they have a problem with your table, come talk to me. Oh, well, so that well, was like, let's get that guy on the show. Yeah. Let's get yeah. his two cents about it. <laughs> you guys should set up there one day. This yeah. is what happens. Um, and yeah, so I was like, okay, this seems a bit weird. Certain rules apply to some and certain rules don't apply to others. And then I went and saw that VL- VLSA, um, which is made up of, genuine students uh, mm-hmm. all at Melbourne University um, out the front of the uni with all their banners packed up because they got kicked out. And then they tried to go back um, as just private citizens, as students of the university, just to hand out pamphlets and they got kicked out again. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like a massive double standard that was happening there on the day. Have they considered growing dreadlocks and removing <laughs> footwear and smelling? Mm, just to like know. sort of throw people <laughs> off like maybe it's that maybe you just need to look like you're a socialist and then you just slide them a liberal student association pamphlet i don't know i wouldn't want to do that to charlotte she's a very well put together young lady i, I don't i don't want her to lower herself to that <laughs> All right, well I'm, I'm still on the table with dreadlocks but what i don't get is that if you are a university administrator and you're a socialist then the one thing you... Does that like, person exist, Joe? I'm uh, not sure. I think there's two of them in the country. <laughs> okay. But the point I'm trying to make is, like, if you're one of those, the last... And you don't want attention given to Generation Liberty or you don't want attention given to the Victorian Liberal Students Association, the, the best thing you can do for your case is nothing because just let them have their stall. But the second you kick them off, suddenly it's in the Australian, suddenly it's on Sky News, suddenly people that the student, uh, around the campus are talking about it and we get all these members at a different university in Queensland from people that want to sign up. So, like, I don't get why they do the things that they do. I don't think they're used to us fighting back as we have been as much as in the last few years. I think they've been getting away with this mm. for a very long time and sweeping it under the rug. And it's only since Generation Liberty and new groups are starting to point it out, they're like, oh, our, our tactics aren't working anymore. Um, also, I think you're assuming a, a, a too large amount of intelligence. To, yeah. To, to, <laughs> I, I assume they're about able to play 2D chess before they start playing 3D chess. Yes. <laughs> so you mentioned with the uh, case before the body, that's going to take how long, did you say? Uh, we've got to wait 28 days. 28 days, okay. Back. So that's back. the next thing. Let's, we'll get you on next time about that. Yes, yeah, that n- Another good. two weeks. All right, so Renee, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Uh, and, yeah, keep up the good work. Cheers. Okay, we've got another round of the quiz coming up right now. We have got <coughs> a loaded, intelligent and good-looking panel. I'll Ooh. say it. I'll say it. Thank you. Hey, so we're thank, you. thank you. <laughs> yeah, they're about nice to come to in. Thanks for it's obviously in. a different panel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for sitting in while we've got the camera angle set up. But, Wait, uh, did you, you say loaded, in. intelligent and good-looking in that order or <laughs> yeah. is it uh, trades to all three? You know what? I'll decide at the end of the round based on how you guys performed <laughs> who was what. All right, so we've got uh, Director of Policy Gideon Rosner. We've got Research Fellow Andrew Bushnell, yep. Criminal Justice. Uh, heads that up. And we've got the Roof Seal, as always, Peter Gregory. Roof Seal and the King. 
Never forget. For now. Never forget. So Peter Gregory is put on the crown as the reigning quiz champion. One point on for correct answers, one point off for incorrect answers. Buzzer is your first name. I think we're all familiar with the rules Mm -hmm. if anyone needs to go. All right. Now, with Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar withdrawing from the Democratic race, who is now the youngest (laughs) person? Uh, Good question. He's jumped in. I'm going to have to have a stab in the dark here. I'm going to have to say... Mini Mike Bloomberg. Mini Mike Bloomberg is not the youngest person uh, still in the Democratic Bushy. field. Bushnell. Yeah, so who, who we got? Well, technically, <laughs> uh, Buzzer Elizabeth is the first Warren. Name. It's not Elizabeth Warren. Proof. Sanders. Okay, you're all wrong oh. because technically Tulsi oh, Gabbard is still running. Ga- that's oh, a trick question. Yeah, that's a trick question Tulsi, and you fell right what? into it. You dropped out, Tulsi. Oh, this, is, this is Russian propaganda. Leaving <laughs> <laughs> her on the list. Yeah. What? Maybe we thought, I thought you said at the start then, I didn't think you said Mayor Pete. I thought you said me and Pete. Me and I was Pete. like, I did not realise. No, we're, we're still running. running. <laughs> we're still running. Yeah, we're, we and we are up. looking good in Washington State. Yeah, uh, now, who of the people not named Tulsi Gabbard is the youngest person in the Democratic race? Bush on. It is Elizabeth Warren. It is Warren. Elizabeth Warren, who is 70 years old. This f- picture of youth herself. Uh, sorry. And she lost She lost her own state today. It's not looking so. good for her. Yeah, we are recording this on Wednesday. So if Elizabeth Warren has dropped out and Tulsi Gabbard has dropped out by the time you hear this podcast, yeah. I'm still correct. Yeah. Tulsi, so just know I'm still correct. All right, question three. When was the, all right, so I reckon we're heading towards a bro, uh, you know contested convention or brokered convention, if you will. When was the last time that oh. ever that happened? Either party. You Gideon, said this on the Gideon. show. Uh, hmm. I'm going to... Guess again and say the Democrats in 1972. It is incorrect. Ah. Does anyone else want to make a stab? What was that one where they bashed all the protesters outside? I was. Sh- oh, uh, I I thought people would laugh at that. In the sixth, <laughs> yeah, because well, we're trying to get it right. <laughs> no, yeah. I was, oh, I was that saying hilarious it's hilarious thing oh, of protesters being bashed in the street. <laughs> oh, I don't know who it is, James. All right, does anyone want to make a guess? No. All right, so it's the Democrats back in 1952. Oh, I think you said that on the show the other week. Yeah, well... I just sort of wait for my turn to speak. Exactly. You don't listen. (laughs) You're just about yourself. All right. Uh, Sorry, everyone is in the negatives right now. No, Bushnell's on zero. Pete's on negative one. Gideon's on on negative two. Okay, according to the Australian on... I used to be the quiz champion once upon a time. What's happened? (laughs) How the mighty have fallen. I think you said loaded at the top of the show. Yeah, well... Pete was the loaded one, not me. At the top of the segment. Yeah, yeah. I wish I was. So, according to the Australian on Tuesday, how many immigration detainees have said they should be released into Australia on grounds of indigeneity? 22. Off by war. Roof, roof. No. I know it's 23 because it's Shane Warne's number. No, and Buddy right. Franklin and Jamie Carragher. Gideon and going going for the getting worse and worse. Gideon going for the lowest number. This is what happens when you chase your losses. Okay, now. They can't uh, run forever. So yeah. it's 23. <laughs> now, how many members of Iran's parliament have tested positive for coronavirus? Oof. A lot. That's a... Uh, closest to the mark. Oh, how about closest to the close, mark? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Can't get them wrong. Can't get them wrong. I like you make the rules up as you go. Ah, it's too close to the mark. Yeah, I love the power. I do. So four Makes me happy. Four? Uh, how about 20? 20. 15. 15. Bushnell gets it. It's 23 as ah, well. 23 three. members. Because it was like one a couple Where of weeks ago. Where was Shane Warne on that well, one? Well, that's good. Warne, you let me down for the first time ever. <laughs> All right. Uh, it is 23. So, yeah, the Deputy Health Minister was the other uh, one, and then he's probably yeah. infected these 23 people. Now, Generation yes. Liberty is hosting the upcoming tour of Gloria Alvarez. Get your tickets now. Can't stress that enough. Yep. Yeah. What country was she born in? Oh, well, that's... Gideon. Gideon. Bolivia? Roof, roof. Jeez, Gideon is absolutely hemorrhaging. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's incorrect. Bushy. <laughs> it's incorrect, Gideon. 
I know. I'm, I'm, oh, right. I'm, I'm marveling at my own stupidity. Oh, there we go. Okay. I thought that was like it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, boy, 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 I, I, do not I was like, I chimed in, yeah. rung in to answer, and I was like, wait, did is that right? That wasn't right. <laughs> no, I'm gaslighting. No, because she's from. She is from Central America, so it is. country. I'd already rung in. So we're zeroing in on it. Back off. So I'm, I'm explaining. I'm doing the whole like Eddie Maguire, who wants to be a millionaire thing. No, but it's El Salvador. It is not El Salvador. Oh, Root for Guatemala. It is Guatemala. Wow. Peter Gregory. All right, Pete is on oh, two. Bushnell is on negative Guatemala. one, and Gideon uh, on it. negative four. Anyone still can win, I reckon. Yeah, There's hard for Gideon. Happen. Hard for Gideon. This I'll say been, it. This is. Anyway, sure you would have to say this has not been the highest quality quiz. It's been in the energetic of the though. Young <laughs> a lot of mentions for Shane Warne. It's good audio, yeah. and Shane Warne, his <laughs> whoever's doing PR for Shane Warne's pretty happy with how this is all turned out. Right. What infrastructure project was ruled unlawful in the UK on environmental Gideon. grounds? Gideon. Oh, something to do with Heathrow. Another re- runway on Heathrow? Another runway on ah, Heathrow. Got Not just environmental one, grounds, though. Go ahead. Specifically climate change. Yeah. Yes. Which is worse. Like heaps of stuff gets banned for... Environmental grounds. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But yeah. They're, they're not even protecting, you know, actual animals like the endangered squig or whatever it is. Yeah, it's like, squeaks. you know, some in- imaginary problem they're protecting against, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's All right. right. All right, there we go. All right, so <laughs> AAP has announced that it is closing down in June this year. When was it started? Gideon, Gideon. Oh, 1935. No, that is correct. How Gideon did you know that? Because I, because I spent half my working day on Twitter and that's all that was on Twitter yes. yesterday, which a is lot that of save AAP, the hashtag save AAP, which is, a, which is a, a, a serious issue, I might add, and the risk of editorialising during the quiz, which you've topped go off for doing in the past. I but um, the, these journalists who were mourning a, save a, the uh, Australian Associated Press for good reason were not willing to say, well, maybe it's because we have a $1.1 billion media behemoth there in this go. country giving away content for free. Yeah. So if you want to save AAP, sell off the ABC. Yeah, I exa- endorse this message. Exactly. Like I was doing some research for the show. Um, actually, this is going to give away a quiz question, so I'm going to come back to that yeah. anecdote. Uh, I just want to clarify for any donors out there, Gideon doesn't spend half his life on Twitter. No, no, no. Half it's more three quarters. No, about, about a third. About a third. <laughs> about a third. All right. On a uh, now, who was the host of Media Watch before Paul Barry? Oh, now I have seen this folk's footage. Uh, haven't we Gideon. all? But I don't Gideon. Know was it is. Jonathan Holmes? It was Jonathan ah! Holmes. Very Gideon good. is Jeez. on fire. Now, I'm mincy wincy spiring my way back up. Now, I was going to mention, so Jonathan Holmes has this new book out and Paul Barry was talking to him and they're both saying like, oh, there's now these three giants of media and how do we stop this like conglomeration of the left? And it's like, yeah, the ABC is the reason like nine buys Fairfax and they can't get any <laughs> yeah. money is because there's like, you know, the ABC handing out content for free. Anyway. Correct. My point. Frankly, especially if you work at the nine entertainment papers or whatever, you mean, why would anybody pay for a subscription to a newspaper when the ABC gives away analogous content for free? Exactly. I don't know. All right. So uh, now to the who am I? Quick score check. Gideon on minus one. Pete's on two. Bushnell's on minus one. Anyone can Ooh. win. Uh, Gideon, what a comeback, by the way, at the end of that quiz. This is you a Joe Momentum. Joe Rosnamentum. The Rosnolution. Yeah, Rosnamentum. Now, for five points, I was born 173 years ago, pardon me, 173 years ago this Wednesday. You always do this. We always have to mentally work out. Yep. 147. What's? Hmm? It is? 147. Oh, oh yep. thank you. There we go. But I don't know who it is, James. Did you, right. What did you say again? 173? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I was just doing 1847. Okay. All right, does anyone want to make a guess? All right, for four points, my work with the deaf is what inspired my life's work. Say that again. Deaf. Worked a lot with yeah. deaf people, and what you know me for comes from that. Did you say died mm. in 1847? I said born. Oh, yeah. I said born in 1847. Because I have a bit of a 
Nah, I don't think so. I've got a bit of an inkling, but I think actually, it might be someone. Actually, I have no idea. All right, there we go. I think <laughs> unless anyone jumps in right now, they can only tie it with Pete. No. Yeah. All right, so for three points, I was influential in the early days of National Geographic. I was wrong with my initial thought. Who the mm. hell would this be? Is this person even famous? This, this person's <laughs> very famous. <laughs> some bloke, some bloke that worked at National Geo. Um, so it's famous for one very specific thing, so you just don't want to tell that at the four-point thing. I think I might know who it is. All right, come on, Pete. No, I, don't, I mean, like, nah, it's all right. Keep coming. You're all good? Yep. All right, does anyone else want to jump in? Work with Born in 1947. Born in 1947. <laughs> I might write Not that died. Down, so I don't think Just write it down. <laughs> Get a tattoo. Yeah. Born in 1947. Nah, no idea, mate. Now, two points. I'm an inventor and a scientist. Yeah, see, I... Uh, yeah, you I reckon? Mean, I, I, I suspect I know what the bloke did. Roof, roof. Roof, roof. Marie Curie. No. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't know the Pete. bloke's name. I think that really puts a curveball in that anyone can tie it up if they get it right now and bring us through its high-breaker. So, born in 1847. Born in 1847. Worked with the deaf. Worked with, with the, the deaf. And at National Geographic. And at National and Geographic. And an inventor. And is an inventor and a scientist. So and famous. Okay, and so famous. famous. You peak inventing years about like 35. So, you're talking about like inventions that maybe took place in like the eight, about 18. Are that your peak inventing years? Well, I don't know. I think I'm it's not inventing guys. much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, your peak might be shallower than others. Um, <laughs> I think you don't want to peak too early. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> aiming for my. You'd hope not. Any best days are ahead of you. This is this is. I can't even think of a, a single name that. This will get away. For one point, I invented the telephone. Oh, Gideon, Gideon. Alexander Graham Bell gets it. Graham right. hyphen Bell. No, I say. not not true though. Didn't some Italian guy invent invent it? Uh, let's get Google the Marconi. Yeah, let's get the. Uh, Oh, controversial. Right. This is con- controversial. So wait, does that Red, mean that but the roof seals we need some Italian, is... Surely, Italian nationalists to s- ring Surely in. the man that invented the telephone was Alexander Graham Bell or no, the no, education no, no, system no, I'm being, I'm, absolutely let there, there is No, you're right. There's like some sort of controversy around this though. That yeah. Because he also like, came up with ahoy hoy. Yeah. He okay. genuinely thought people would answer the phone ahoy hoy instead <laughs> of saying hello. Did he really? <laughs> one of my favourite fun facts in history. Is that true? Yeah. Should have left that. Should have left the quiz. I tried to put it in there. They, I was like, oh, hi, hi. Is that where Mr. Burns or... It is. Uh, it is literally from? where oh, they yeah. got that I from. I never knew that. Yeah. Well, well give, give Bush a little bonus point and I still win. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you get two ahoy hoys for that last one. But Peter Gregory is still the reigning champion. And we got more show for you coming up after this. Congratulations, Peter Gregory. Once more, the uh, reigning quiz champion. I actually don't know how many in a row that is. I think it's two because oh, getting went on that unprecedented five or six in a row. Might be more than two. I think it's three, but we'll check. Oh, because you won in Gideon's absence and then mm. beat Gideon, and now you've won again. So that is three. Yeah, well done. Uh, let us get into some stories, and we want to start with this Q and A clap, Peter. Everyone's favourite segment, the Q and A clap, James. It's the first segment, probably the it's probably still the, best the OG thing you've ever segment. Done. That's right. Probably still the first thing you've ever done. So Q and A clap. We no started crap, right yeah. back at the start. It's about how people say stupid, meaningless things on Q and A, and they get a big old clap for it. So we've got a doozy this week. Um, Finance Minister Matthias Corman, a doozy. You heard it. I said it. Uh, how is Scooby Doo? <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. Uh, Finance Minister Matthias Corman, uh, Corman in Senate Finance and Public Administration Legislation Committee said this earlier this week. Question is to you, Minister. My com car driver told me the other day that the colour of the cars was chosen by you personally. Is, is that a, a, a true rumour that's that, circulating? Well, uh, I, I take responsibility for that. Uh, yes, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it's my judgment. The white uh, colour, uh, sort of, in my mind, reflects a bit of a colonial past that we've moved on from, and I think the co- colour chosen for the uh, com cars is a better reflection of a, a modern, forward-looking Australia. 
James, is he serious? I so I'm hesitant to bite on this oh, one. First of all, oh, sorry. First Q&A of all, Q and A clap. Q and A clap. Can I just <laughs> okay. Thank you. Oh, um, even the Q and A audience is a bit blindsided by that one. Yeah. But uh, so is he serious? Yeah. I am so hesitant to bite on this because I genuinely don't think anyone could possibly form that opinion. Well, and achieve one of the highest offices in the land. If he did, because I'm not sure if it's a serious either. If he has. Because even the person that asked the question yeah. was a bit like... And she was from the Greens, right? <laughs> so she didn't like, you know, she was just like, ooh, okay. Ooh, uh, but episode. That, is, that would be the ultimate brave stand. Mm-hmm. You know, the stolen generation happened, yeah. but I made the cars not white yeah, anymore. Yeah, the cars are grey now, so, so it's all okay. Nothing to worry all about. Good. And when he said at the end, oh, you know, this represents modern Australia, it's like... Grey? Grey. Grey represents the modern forward-thinking man? Off-white. Off-white. Yeah, pearl. The beige. Stucco. Uh... That's yeah, all I got for that's it. That's all I got. No, that's it's just like, okay, I'm putting a big question mark on that one to refer back to. Yeah. Was he serious? Someone needs, we got a journalist that listened to this show. Mm. Someone asked him about that. I want follow ups. Yeah, exactly right. And also, he was wearing a white shirt. So if he was serious. Well, that's disgusting. That's uh, disgusting. All right. So moving on to another one. Now, new stations rallying around the disadvantage is always just, uh, you know, it, it, it's the easiest win of a TV segment. You get. Someone who's gone through a bit of a rough time. Mm. News uh, not only covers the story, they help him out. So I have got interviewed Grunt the Pig. Grunt the Pig. Uh, Grunt the Pig is not a dis... Oh, well, did go through some hard times. But when we talked to him, that was a healthy pick. Oprah's favourite things, very popular segment in the Oprah show. Australia has the cash cow on Sunrise. Uh, Here's what ABC 13 in Virginia. They found a story of a woman who'd lost a house and a sister in a fire, which is very grim, very sad. So let's see what ABC 13 in Virginia decided to do about it. What did they give her? Saul, roll the tape. Per day. We have an umbrella, and I've never actually signed one of these before. <laughs> uh, you have your own ABC 13 umbrella. Okay, thank you. To you, bringing you sunshine on a rainy day. That's That brings me faith back in the media. You didn't tell me he signed it, James. Oh, it's a signed umbrella. Don't be thinking it's just your regular ABC 13 umbrella. That is signed by the weatherman. That is unbelievable. So assuming there's been some backlash to that. Uh, they deleted the tweet. Uh, to give them their time of day, the daughter did write in saying like, oh, one of the things she really misses was the umbrella. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it is a good uh, like thing to give her, but you can't build a segment around it. Nah. You can't, it can't be the go-to. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. Especially when it's got like an ABC logo on it. So yep. it's like a bit of free advertising. Yeah, exactly. You know, in, in amongst the grief. And his signature. So it's a bit of personal advertising as well. Exactly right. Remember no, who this was. Remember the guy that helped you out with your umbrella needs. Yeah. So I just don't know how, like at what point he realized, this is not this is bombing it went to tv it <laughs> so went that, to tv so that wasn't live that no that was it wasn't live it was part of a pre-recorded thing and then they file it out and send it out well that's even more remarkable yep there we go okay so let's move on to sleeping giants okay i hesitate to mention them because they really <laughs> are just you really the, yelled out like an order <laughs> like enough enough messing around yeah moving on from the abc so the sleeping giants right I, yeah. I hate to mention them because they are they literally s- just 13 old greenies with 30 accounts each. Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, sleeping giants put pressure on companies uh, to take up social justice issues or disassociate themselves with conservative or liberal figures 
Uh, yeah, so when you see like advertisers pull from Alan Jones's morning show, it's like a hundred percent sleeping giants. That's exactly right. That's getting sleep- in their Twitter mentions, and and because corporate Australia are such gutless wonders these days, they just do it. Or slash just actually absolute massive lefties themselves, uh, they just do it. So sleep- I lean the first. If it's a either or, I lean the first. I reckon it's got to be a bit of both. Like the HR departments at uh, these places and the social media departments at these places are very left wing. Yeah, but then you know those uh, those what. Uh, um, suggestions have to be signed off by someone. And I think that's just like, well, done. Yeah. Moving on. Back to golf. I just think that they run corporate Australia. Anyway, the Sleeping Giants tweeted out during the week, the politicisation of social media is unfathomably dangerous. Mm. So that's an interesting statement. You hate to say that. Now, what they're referring to is an article about how Paul Singer, a major Republican donor, has purchased a big stake in Twitter and is potentially planning to get rid of Jack Dorsey, uh, who's the chief executive. So it's like, oh, sorry, Sleeping Giants. Mm. Sorry. It must be difficult to not have everyone who runs social media a massive lefty. Yes. How difficult for you to deal with that? Third, secondly, your whole thing is that you're a political organisation. Yes. So am I missing something here, Joe? You're not missing anything. I loved all the replies saying like, well, if Twitter turns into Facebook, then I'm just going to go. And it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter's yes, successful. that's so- what you do. You use your choice. If you don't like people, what they tweet and what they watch, yep. you don't do it. You don't watch it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and, and like this politicization thing is like, do they not think social media is full of politics? Exactly. Yeah. Donald Trump, and, I don't you, you And they're not making that the case. Yeah. And then also, James, shame on us, yep. I reckon, uh, for not thinking of this earlier. We always complain about social media, how it's really left wing. Yep. Why did we never think of just the Koch brothers just buying... I, I thought you were going to say you and me because I was like, I'm good for $22 and a Fruit Loop. Well, I don't know how much these things, these platforms can be that expensive. Well, considering he's a b- billionaire, he's probably a bit better off than I am. Yeah, anyway, but so that's one to think about. All right, there we go. All right, so last one we got today, uh, Blue Mountain, it's on I mean, American Samoa. The king of American Samoa. Yeah. Mr. American Samoa himself. They might, uh, might secede. <laughs> Bloomberg can be their Bloomberg-topia. god king. I, I'd move. I would move there. I would take up the Ministry of Defence. It's uh, in the Pacific. Now, uh, Blue Mountain is on, and because of that, I'm hoping he stays in the race. God, I hope he stays in the race because we have another week worth of unforgettable clips. I want to start off with this one. This is him actually waiting, to, uh, actually attempting to talk to humans in Texas. He's being, uh, you know, he's just walking around the streets. He's got a few reporters around him, and someone says, like, uh, oh, just play the clip. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. You spent a lot of time in Texas? Tejas, we'd say here. What did you say? Tejas. Tejas. That's Spanish for Texas. Okay. You're in a Cuban neighborhood, so you gotta know where the audience is. And then just stick around for this bit. And then just stick around for this bit. And then just stick around Ban soft drinks everywhere. But the point is Tejas. I don't know if that's the people next to him, the other guys, they were like local reporters. Yeah. And they were like, the facial expressions were, it's not, that's not what we say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the reporter talking to him, who I'm assuming is from Texas herself, yeah. is just like, I must have misheard you. Yeah. There is no way even Michael Bloomberg could have possibly said the word Tejas in this conversation. That is I must have misheard. Exactly right. And it's the ultimate in patronising mansplaining you could possibly <laughs> imagine. It's Spanish for Texas. Well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, don't call it Texas. Yeah. They call it Tejas. No, nah, so this is why we want American Samoa, mate, with stuff like that. Uh, and then, of course, you've also got a, another 
just unforgettable clip. This is him attempting to eat pizza. I apologize for people that are listening, but let me comment it. So I'll play the tape. This is him eating pizza. I mean, oh. it's a height of coronavirus uh, panic. People are panic buying. And Bloomberg is just like going ham on this pizza and licking his lips, getting everything, putting oh, the hand back in. Um, you know what? Just I'll, I'll donate. I'll do, I'll, I'll do whatever it is. I said that $22 in a Fruit Loop uh, to buy Twitter. That's now going to the Bloomberg campaign. I need him still in the race for this content. It is. I don't understand. As Zach Gorman said earlier today, why don't they teach politicians to eat properly before they go on the campaign? Because trial? then, what would we do? <laughs> yeah. We, sorry, that's just. What What show would we run if politicians learn how to eat like human beings? I don't know. We'd have to tackle some real issues, James. Oh, I that's think not for me. We'd have to. We'd have to do something else. But I mean, he sort of, you know, he grabbed the crust and yep. he didn't even. He ripped off part of the pizza. He ripped off the worst part of the pizza. <laughs> Donald Trump Jr said, clearly this guy's never worked in a communal office space before. He's never eaten a pizza before. Uh, I don't think Donald Trump Jr. has ever worked in a communal office space <laughs> yeah. before, to be perfectly but, fair. You know, those in glass houses. Well, but yes. he's, he's never had a pizza before. Yep. That's why he eats it like that. Now, this also, I'm glad this came up, because last week off air, you said something to me that I think needs to be addressed on air, okay. so everyone knows the person that they listen to every week. Yeah. Uh, so they get an idea of who the real Peter oh, Gregory is. I know where is. this is going. I know where this is going. Peter, you described to me what your favourite flavour. Favourite flavour... Of pizza is topping. favorite topping of pizza is favorite topping of all of the ones to choose. Yeah, what is it? Margarita. See you guys next week. <laughs>